Hey, so we're gonna be in Mark 2. Mark 2, chapter one. If you're using one of our Bibles, page 699, 699. Turn there, we're gonna start off uh, reading the word together. I never really got why like Dave and Brandon are always, you know, doing that in between and everything. But now I get it. Like your mouth gets really dry up here. So bear with me as I'm doing that throughout the whole thing. Really appreciate it. So Mark 2, Mark 2. Mark 2, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's read this together. I just invite you to, uh, as best as you can, find yourself in this story as we read it. Uh, this is one of these stories that just kind of come, comes to life. Uh, as you read it, you're able to kind of picture uh, what's happening. So just invite you to do that as we read it together. Starting in verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered so that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. After digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. So just imagine this for me for a moment before we go on. I mean, we're sitting in a crowded room, you know, maybe your house, and all the sudden you start to hear like someone banging on the roof, kind of chipping away. You start to hear the uh, you know, drywall start to crumble, maybe down around you. You're like, what is going on? I just want to hear uh, Jesus speak. And all of a sudden, boom, like literally a hole is formed uh, in this roof. And this is where we find ourselves uh, in this story. Let's keep reading. When Jesus saw their faith, I love Jesus is like not even paying attention to uh, the, the roof or anything. He's like, I'm just gonna look straight into those guys' heart and look at their faith. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there uh, thinking to themselves, why does that fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking. Jesus is so cool. And in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. So the man, he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Dave was telling me that one of the very best uh, sermons he ever heard uh, was out of this passage. And it wasn't uh, by a great theologian. It wasn't by one of the best uh, teachers or preachers that he'd ever heard. It was from his son, Micah. So one of their uh, routines is on the mornings when they're having breakfast, um, they'll sit, they'll kind of read a passage of scripture, read a Bible story, and he'll ask him just a few questions about uh, what, what it was that, that they read. And so he kind of asked two questions. They'll read through it, and he says, hey, what happened in this story? Essentially, you know, tell me uh, what happened in this story. Tell it back to me. And Micah said, he says, well, uh, these friends were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. He's sitting there, he's like, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing that that's exactly what you, what you caught. And then he says, okay, that's the story, but what does it mean? What does it mean for you? And so Micah kind of thought for a moment and he replied back. He says, well, I, I guess that means that, you know, me and Jack and, and Lofton and, and my friends, 
Like we're supposed to spend our lives, he probably didn't say that this eloquently, but spend our lives taking our friends to Jesus. And straight to the heart, I mean, hearing this from, uh, from a five-year-old kid uh, who just, who gets it. Uh, they get it. It's like, this is this passage is all about. It's a simplistic picture uh, of what it looks like uh, to be a Christian. And that's what we're going to look at. Uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And there's a few things we could look at. You know, we could look at uh, the, the cynicism uh, of the religious leaders. We could look at the apathetic uh, crowd. Uh, but what I want us to uh, look at this morning is, is three people. I want us to look at uh, the man. I want us to look at the man on the mat. I want us to look at the friends uh, who carried him there. And then I want us to look at Jesus. Those are the three pictures. It's going to be very simple, uh, very short, but we're going to take a look um, at, those, at those three people. So first, let's take a look at the man, uh, the man on the mat. Um, we, don't know, we don't know much uh, about uh, who he is. We don't know his story. We don't know um, his condition. We don't know his faith. Uh, we don't know his name. Uh, we really do not know a whole lot. Uh, but there's one thing that we, that we do know, that we do realize, and that it's, it's his situation uh, was beyond his ability to fix. That's one truth uh, that we know about him. His situation uh, was beyond his ability uh, to fix. And I was thinking about this and thinking about how many different ways this is true for all of us in different seasons of our lives, how our situations uh, become far beyond our ability to fix it. Uh, whether it's spiritually uh, or it's physically. Um, I was thinking about a couple of uh, friends of my wife, Keila's. Uh, they're mentors of ours, and they've shared with us their journey uh, about uh, not being able to, to get pregnant. And uh, that journey for years, uh, not being able to um, have a kid and going through that and just being at the point uh, where literally their physical situation uh, was paralyzed. There was, there was nothing uh, that they could do. And praise God, they were uh, able to uh, later on through, through prayer and petition. And then I think about uh, being spiritually paralyzed. Um, for me, uh, there have been moments and seasons of my life where I felt spiritually paralyzed. I think about uh, my senior year in high school. Uh, it was kind of um, a very, uh, very hard time for me in my faith. This is when uh, some doubts uh, came up in my life and uh, kind of walked away in some ways um, from, from faith. And it was a very spiritually uh, paralyzing uh, moment for me. And I think about just being emotionally paralyzed. Uh, I know a lot of us have uh, felt this, where you are at a place in your life where there is nothing that you can do maybe to come out of that place of depression or uh, find joy. You found yourself uh, emotionally uh, paralyzed. And I think we've all found ourselves here at some point or another. Uh, this man, he needed someone else's faith uh, to get him there, to get him into the presence of Jesus. And sometimes the condition of our life is beyond our ability to fix it. And that's why we need people like these friends. And so let's take a look, look, at, look at them for a moment. So that's kind of the first picture, the picture of this man uh, beyond his ability to fix himself. The friends um, don't know much about them either. Uh, we don't know uh, what their faith journey is. We don't know uh, their morality. We don't know their names. We don't know how long they've been friends with this guy. Uh, but one thing we do know is that they were willing to leverage it all for their friend. Uh, they were willing to risk 
it all uh, for their friend. Uh, it's pretty obvious they have a, a deep love and trust in God if they're willing to break through a roof uh, for this guy. I mean, think about it. If you're gonna bust through someone's roof, you don't even know. Uh, I mean, your reputation, uh, your finances, because I mean, somebody's gonna have to fix it. Um, you're risking and leveraging a lot uh, for this one friend. And I look at this and I see this picture and I think, this is it. Like this, this is it. This is what it looks like to be the church. Um, not to be sermon listeners, not to be song singers, but willing to get out and risk it all to bring other people uh, to the feet of Jesus. I heard an interview recently of a guy who's in the Coast Guard, he had like just joined. And he said, one thing I've learned is that when we put on the uniform, I've got my uniform on and I figure out who my crew is for the day, I know one thing. And that one thing is that we're going out and we're gonna rescue people. That's it. That's, that's, that's the simplicity of my job. And I think that is, that is us. That's us. We have been clothed with the uniform of Christ. Uh, we have put on those new clothes. We have our crew. Uh, it's us. You look at the people beside you. It's your friends. It's your house church. Uh, and it's our job to go out and to rescue, uh, to bring people uh, at the feet of Jesus. So those are the friends. Uh, so we got the man, we have the friends. And then we look at this picture of Jesus. This picture of Jesus. I see five things, uh, five things that um, really come to life uh, about who Jesus is. And the first is that he's compassionate. Look back with me to verse five. Verse five, it says, uh, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And I know it's a, short, small word, but I think it's significant showing the uh, compassion of Jesus Christ. I think about my dad and him shooting me a text message or an email and, you know, say, hey, I love you or, hey, I'm proud of you, uh, whatever it might be. And there's something different that happens. And when on the end of that email, it says, hey, I love you, son, or I'm proud of you, son. There's just a, a significance, I think, to Jesus uh, using that word here just to show his deep compassion for those that he encounters. And the second is that he is deep. Um, he goes below the surface. He fixes the man's heart. He doesn't just see what we would see. He doesn't see the man's physical state, but he sees, hey, there's something far more greater at stake here. It's the man's heart. And so the very first thing he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. So he's compassionate, he's deep, he's responsive. He rewards, uh, he rewards the friend's faith. They took a big risk and a lot of things could have happened. Um, a lot of different uh, outcomes uh, could have come from this, but Jesus and all of who he is, he rewards uh, the friend's faith. He's responsive. Number four, he's generous. Jesus is generous. He gives the man more than he ever could have asked for. And I love this because not only does he give him the ability to walk, which in and of itself is amazing, but he says, hey, I'm gonna give you eternal life. I'm not gonna give you just the ability to walk in this life, uh, but I'm gonna give you uh, the freedom and the joy of walking with me in eternal life by forgiving your sins. A generous, generous Jesus. And we see that Jesus is resourceful. 
Of course, Jesus is resourceful. It's, it's who he is. He takes advantage of every situation uh, that he's in. He, he makes the most of every opportunity. So he uses it to teach the religious crowd. Uh, and he also uses it uh, to kind of awaken a movement and change the city. You see at the end of these verses, uh, this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And you can imagine what happens. Uh, more and more and more people start coming and coming and the crowd gets bigger and bigger. So he's resourceful. He uses this moment, he uses this uh, event uh, to change not only the life of this man, uh, but change the life of many people in that city. And so we kind of ask ourselves, what, what is this story about? Uh, what is this all about? And I think, first, I think it's about Jesus. I think it's about who Jesus is. I think it's about his compassion, his depth, his responsiveness, his generosity, uh, his resourcefulness. The second, I think it's about changing uh, the life of one man and how powerful that can be. Uh, Jesus pauses. He takes a moment and he pauses his sermon that he had going on. Uh, and he says, this man right here is worth my time alone. Him alone is worth my time and my power. And three is that his friends were willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get him to Jesus. His friends were willing to do whatever it took uh, to get him to Jesus. And so that, those three big things is kind of what I want us to focus on. And we're going to enter into a time of kind of interactive prayer. I was thinking about this story and thinking about uh, how it is I wanted to uh, engage all of our hearts in this story. And I thought, what better way than to just spend some time uh, closing our eyes and finding ourselves uh, in this story. And so that's what I want to invite you to do. The band's going to come up here and they're going to play some. And I want to just invite you uh, to find yourself in this story. Um, I think at different points in my life, I've been uh, different people in this story. And honestly, probably different days of the week, I find myself in different places in this story, whether it's the apathetic crowd or the cynical religious leaders or the man desperate on the mat uh, in need for Jesus to work. Uh, I've had moments of courage like the friends, uh, but I've also had uh, moments of doubt um, as well. And so what I wanna invite you to do is just close your eyes right now. I just invite everybody to, to close your eyes. I want you to imagine uh, this story with me. Here you are in this packed, packed room. Maybe there's white plaster walls, uh, ceiling above you, shoulder to shoulder with those beside you. Uh, you're having to squirm your way in just to even find a glimpse of Jesus. So you see the scene. I want you to ask the question, you know, is it you that's maybe apathetic, uh, like the crowd? Maybe you're sitting back in the crowd, uh, second guessing uh, what's happening. Maybe you don't really believe uh, Jesus is who he says he is. Uh, 
could be cynical, um, like the religious leaders, uh, maybe scoffing at those around you who, who do believe, who do have faith in what's happening. Maybe you're the, the man on the mat. Maybe you are at a place where you are desperate to be in the presence of Jesus. Maybe you're one of the friends. Maybe you're carrying uh, your friend right now uh, into the presence of Jesus. Take a moment, picture yourself. Um, find yourself in this story. Who are you? Now I want you to, uh, to imagine, keep your eyes closed, the joy of Jesus uh, moving you forward from where you are. Maybe you're apathetic and Jesus moves you uh, to living on mission. Maybe you're full of cynicism and doubt and Jesus moves you to being faith-filled and soft-hearted. Maybe you're lying on your back on the mat and there's nothing else you can do uh, but give yourself over to Jesus. And Jesus takes you, he says, get up, and he stands you up on your feet. So just imagine with me for a moment Jesus moving you forward from where you are. your eyes closed, no matter who you identified with in the story, we all need the constant work of Jesus in our lives. And so I just invite you to imagine yourself on the mat. You're the one lying on the mat, getting lowered at the feet of Jesus. Where do you need the hand of Jesus at work in your life? What have you been holding on to? What have you been trying to accomplish on your own power? What have you been trying to overcome by your own strength? Is there an area of your faith that you have questions or doubts? Do you need Jesus to bring healing physically, emotionally, spiritually? Has finding joy been a struggle? Does work seem to consume all of who you are? I invite you to think about what it is that you need to hand over to Jesus. Where do you need the hand of Jesus at work in your life?
Now, as Jesus is there uh, with you right now, uh, could be across the kitchen table or if you're talking on the couch, um, I just want to invite you to give it over to Jesus, whatever it is. Tell him what burdens you, uh, what is holding you back, um, and share that with him right now. Share that with Jesus. Hey, this is, this is what's on my heart. Now I want to invite you to just imagine yourself being one of the four people carrying the mat. So you're, you're holding on to this mat. You're walking through the streets. You're on your way to the presence of Jesus. Who has God placed in your path to carry? Literally imagine this person laying there someone from work or from school or someone in your family. I just want you to imagine taking them into the presence of Jesus, carrying them into the presence of Jesus. As you do that, I just invite you to spend some time talking to Jesus, praying for this person. Take this person to God right now in prayer. Here in just a moment, we're going to scatter and take, uh, take communion. Uh, we're going to go to the tables and uh, we're going to grab the bread, which represents Jesus' body, and we're going to grab the juice, uh, which represents uh, Jesus' blood that he shed for us. And I just want us to share with one another. Uh, grab a friend, uh, grab someone maybe you just met, and as you take the bread and you take the cup, uh, just share, where did you find yourself in this story? Uh, what was it that you needed to hand over to Jesus? Uh, what friends has God put in your path uh, to bring to Jesus? So I'm gonna pray for us and then I wanna invite everybody to stand up and go, go grab communion uh, together. Let's go to our Father together in prayer.